Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. Hey guys, my name is Jen. I am the host of the Bible Explained podcast. And I just have to tell you all that I just really like you guys. I really like you guys because I went through a very arduous task today so that I could bring you all a very good episode, hopefully a good episode anyway. The, the thing that I did was I read this ridiculously long and extremely arrogant post by this person who likes to claim that polygamy in the Old Testament was not a sin. So let's talk about it. Was polygamy in the Old Testament a sin or was it not a sin? A lot of people like to claim that polygamy is not, in fact, a sin because God allowed it in the Old Testament. So let's read Deuteronomy 21 verses 10 through 14. And I'm actually going to be reading out of the NIV version of the Bible this morning. But please feel free to grab the version of the Bible that you prefer to read out of. And this is going to be a really fun and great episode. I love talking about this kind of stuff. This is like my uh, my passion. <laughs> <laughs> discussing marriage. I love talking about marriage. So let's read Deuteronomy 21, 10 through 14 today, and let's see what God has to say about marriage and potentially polygamy in this portion of scripture. When you go to war against your enemies and the Lord your God delivers them into your hands and you take captives, if you notice among the captives a beautiful woman and are attracted to her, you may take her as your wife. Bring her into your home and have her shave her head, trim her nails, and put aside the clothes she was wearing when she was captured. After she has lived in your house and mourned her father and her mother for a full month, then you may go to her and be her husband, and she shall be your wife. If you are not pleased with her, let her go wherever she wishes. You must not sell her or treat her as a slave, since you have dishonored her. So before I go into polygamy or any other thing here, let's go ahead and talk about what is going on first. So in verse 10, it says, When you go to war against your enemies and the Lord your God delivers them into your hands and you take captives. So we already discussed what that means. Actually, a handful of days ago, we talked about Israel taking captives and how it wasn't actually the worst thing for these warring nations against Israel to be taken as captive people. I'm not going to go back into that today, but if you're interested in hearing about that episode and you didn't check it out, then I will link it in the description of this podcast episode so you can navigate over to that one and check it out why taking captives was actually God showing mercy on these uh, surrounding nations of Israel. Because a lot of times these surrounding nations of Israel were going to war against Israel itself because Israel was not actually supposed to expand its border unless specifically said to by God. But otherwise, God gave the Israelites the promised land and that was the land they were supposed to stay in and to keep. They weren't supposed to expand their borders. So it says here, you go to war against your enemies, the Lord your God delivers them into your hands and you take captives. Which also, by the way, before I continue, uh, this was not talking about the Canaanite region of the promised land because the Israelites were not supposed to take any captives of the Canaanites. And neither were they supposed to make peace treaties with them, nor were they supposed to marry them. This would be talking specifically about other surrounding nations that went to war against Israel. And Israel defeated them and took captives. It says, if you notice among the captives a beautiful woman and you are attracted to her, you may take her as your wife. 
Okay. So right then and there, this is God assigning value to a captive woman. She wouldn't become a slave. She would become the wife of this Israeli man. She'd become the wife. That has a lot of value, that word wife. Then it says, bring her into your home and have her shave her head, trim her nails, and put aside the clothes she was wearing when she was captured. So this woman, if this uh, Israeli guy decided he liked her, he's like, I think that I want to have her as a wife, you know, he can take her into his home. However, he was not supposed to touch her at all, at all for a solid month. And not only was he not supposed to touch her or bother her, she was supposed to go through this like cleansing ritual of getting rid of her old culture and taking on a new Jewish culture. She was supposed to completely shave her head and trim her nails and put aside the clothes she was wearing when she was captured. I mean, think about a beautiful woman shaving all that gorgeous hair off. This would give the man a lot of time to decide whether or not he was only attracted to her for her physical beauty or if there was something else there also. And let's just say this guy was only attracted to her because she was beautiful and she ends up cutting off all that hair and trimming up her nails and taking off her beautiful clothes to put on like a sackcloth basically in her mourning garb because she'd be mourning her family members that potentially died and she'd be mourning her old life also. This would give the man time to decide if he wanted to marry her or not. But the interesting thing about it is if he did not want to marry her because he, she was like no longer beautiful in his eyes, honestly, that got her out of a uh, potentially annoying situation of having to marry this guy that only liked her for her beauty. Now, if this guy decided he didn't want to marry her, he, she was no longer attractive to him after, you know, she put on her sackcloth and stuff, he could probably send her back to, you know, being a captive at that point. And then her hair would grow back and then somebody else potentially would want to marry her afterward anyway. It was not wrong for an Israeli man to marry one of the captives. There was nothing wrong with that as long as these rules were met. But anyway, it says that this woman would remain in this guy's house being treated as one who is betrothed. She would shave her hair kind of get rid of her like earthly beauty for a while because she'd be in mourning over her old life. And after she has lived in your house and mourned her father and mother for a full month, then you may go to her and be her husband and she shall be your wife. Now, looking at this and reading the context of what's going on here, it looks like this woman would have been an unmarried individual when she was a captive because it says that she was mourning her father and mother, but it never says she was mourning her husband. So it looks to me like this would be a girl who was potentially still a virgin, or even if she wasn't, an unmarried individual, not a widow or anything like that. That's kind of what it looks like here. And I don't know about the rules regarding a uh, a widow or anything like that, but this looks like it's talking specifically about a unmarried girl who was held as captive. So anyway, it says that after she has mourned her father and her mother for a full month, then you may go to her and be her husband and she shall be your wife. So God is giving this girl time to mourn her old life, to mourn her mother and her father. And a month long mourning period was extremely common. That was what the ancient world like held to 
was like a month long mourning period before they went and did their, you know, daily things. So it says, then you may go to her and be her husband and she shall be your wife. Now, a month was not enough time for her hair to grow back, by the way. (laughs) So there you go. I mean, this man had to be actually relatively dedicated to her. It couldn't just be like superficial, really. He had to be like dedicated that he truly wanted to marry her. And this would give him time to decide if he wanted to or not. It says, she shall be your wife. Now, it is interesting to note that the Hebrew language did not have a word for wives. There was no word for it for multiple wives. Isn't that interesting? I I, I find that fascinating. It says, she shall be your wife. That means one. So now before I get into the rest of this, verse 14, I'd like to talk about that polygamy thing that I brought up at the beginning of all this. And I read a lot of content from different people that think that polygamy was not a sin in the Old Testament. And they gave multiple reasons as to why they believe that polygamy was not a sin in the Old Testament. But to me, that seems absolutely ludicrous that something was not a sin in the Old Testament, but now is a sin. That is ludicrous to me. How can something not be a sin before Jesus comes down to earth, but then automatically turn into a sin after Jesus dies on the cross? Once a sin, always a sin. If it's a sin, it's a sin. It doesn't matter if it's the Old Testament or the New Testament. I mean, think about what sin means. It means being contrary to God, missing the mark. A man having multiple wives was contrary to God. Literally, it was a sin. And it doesn't matter if it was the Old Testament or the New Testament. It was always a sin for a man to have multiple wives. Hence why the Hebrew language didn't even have a word for wives. It was always a sin. And anytime we see polygamy happening in the Old Testament, there's something bad surrounding it every single time. We don't really see polygamy being a good thing in the Old Testament. Now, because of God's great mercy, he allowed polygamy. And honestly, I don't know why. There's no specific reason in scripture as to why he allowed people to partake in polygamy. But I don't think God was winking at it. I don't think God was being like, yeah, you know, that's fine. Go ahead and have multiple wives. Go ahead and cheat on your first wife with this new wife. Go ahead and do that. Why would God say multiple times throughout the Old Testament, be faithful to the wife wife of your youth, be faithful to her? And why would God also say that his people, Israel, are like those that go out and cheat on him? Multiple wives or polygamy was not okay in the Old Testament, just as it's not okay nowadays, no matter what anybody wants to tell you, having multiple spouses is first and foremost terrible for you individually. It is just not a good situation because that is not how God designed them. And even Jesus had to tell the Pharisees that he said, God made one man and one woman and he joined them together to become one. Anything outside of that relationship that God established at the beginning is not going to be a healthy relationship. And there's like so many studies that can show you this. I mean, Jordan Peterson talks about this quite a lot. I don't know if you guys like to listen to him. I like listening to him. He talks about how some of the healthiest people in the world are 
married individuals who have stayed married for long periods of time. They are the most healthy individuals in the world. So if that's the truth, then clearly what God established at the very beginning was the right way to do things. So polygamy was wrong. But yet people who advocate for polygamy and shockingly, it's a lot more people than you would think based upon all these ridiculous and honestly stupid things that I was reading online. It's a lot more common than you would think, but they take verses like this one, verses 10 through 14 that we just read, and they're just like, yeah, God allowed polygamy because of verses like this. But where does this mention polygamy? Where does this mention polygamy? Or is it just because people want to take something like this and say that this Israeli man already had multiple wives when he took this captive girl as his wife also. But it doesn't mention any of his other wives. It just says, she shall be your wife. Now I'm going to go back to what I said earlier, which is yes, God did allow polygamy, but I don't even know if allow is the right word because allow makes it seem like uh, he's okay with something. You know, you're allowed to do that. I think it's more of God was extremely merciful to people. And God gave the law to very sinful people. And he put regulations around a lot of things. God is extremely merciful towards people. And he is very aware of our shortcomings. But this Old Testament law was revolutionary to the people that he was giving it to. The people that were receiving this law were like ancient tribes that had really no clue how to properly live. They didn't know anything about germs or cooking meat to the right temperature or not eating a dead animal on the side of the road. They had multiple wives. They had divorces. They had child sacrifice. They had human sacrifice. They had all sorts of crazy stuff going on back in those days. And Jesus even said why God, in some cases, allowed people or rather was merciful on certain things. And it was because of the hardness of people's hearts. That's why. So when we see things like polygamy in the Old Testament, or when we see things like divorce, which is what we're actually about to talk about, Jesus said that the reason God put those laws in place was because of the hardness of people's hearts. People's hearts were so hard against him, so stubborn against God, that God was merciful towards the people who had these hard hearts. So now let's finish up by talking about verse 14. If you are not pleased with her, let her go wherever she wishes. You may not sell her or treat her as a slave since you have dishonored her. So this woman had rights. The second she became a wife, she had rights as a wife. And God says, if you are not pleased with her, that's the hardness of the people's hearts. If they want divorce, there was a law that they could get a divorce. If you are not pleased with her, let her go wherever she wishes. You must not sell her or treat her as a slave since you have dishonored her. So she's not a captive anymore. She was not allowed to be treated as a captive. But if this guy does decide for some reason he is not pleased with her, I don't know what reason that would be. Let's just say she was just still worshiping her other gods or if she was just couldn't get over the captive thing. I don't know. There could be any multiple reasons why he was not pleased with her. He could let her go and she would be totally free from that marriage and totally free as a not captive woman, as an Israeli woman at that point. 
And God says, the reason you do this is because if you divorce her, you have dishonored her. That's extremely powerful words, actually. Divorce was dishonoring the wife. Because at this time period, only the men were really allowed to divorce their wives. I would guess in, in most cases. But God says that any man that divorces his wife dishonors her. There's actually a verse later on in the Old Testament that says that any man that divorces his wife for any reason brings cruelty onto her. So it's not only dishonoring her, but it's cruelty to divorce the wife also. So it's dishonoring her and it is cruel to her. So at that point, the woman is completely free from that marriage and she is no longer a captive in any way. And the, the guy was basically not allowed to touch her or do anything else to her. But really what I wanted to mention today is we're actually going to go more into polygamy a little bit on Friday also, because we're going to talk about the rights of the firstborn and if a man has more than one wife. So we're going to go more into polygamy on Friday and discuss more about that. But what I wanted to mention today is that just because something is in the Old Testament law and God does not specifically say, hey, it's a sin to do this, that doesn't mean it's not a sin. There's a lot of things, a ton of things, actually, that God does not specifically say are sins that are, in fact, sins. And once again, sin means to fall short. It means to miss the mark. And it means to just do something that is contrary to God. There are plenty, if not tons, of sins that we can do that are not even mentioned in Scripture. God didn't like list them all out. But he was kind and he was gentle and he is merciful towards people who have sinned because we've all sinned. If he wasn't merciful towards us, none of us would be alive anymore. <laughs> We'd all be decimated. But the fact of the matter is there's a verse that Paul mentions. Do we sin more because grace abounds? So in other words, Paul is saying to Christians out there, he's saying just because God's grace is so great, does that mean we continue to sin? Does that mean that we continue to just take God's grace, abuse God's grace because of how kind he is towards us? And Paul says, no way, we don't do that. We turn away from those sins. Once we realize they are sins, we turn from them. We get rid of them. And really, this could be anything. This could be any sin that we're going through. This could be lying. This could be lust. This could be, you know, polygamy. This could be any sin that we struggle with. If we realize it is a sin, we don't just keep doing it because God's grace is abundant. We change. We turn away from that sin and we begin to follow God the way God calls us to follow him. All right, guys, so we are going to go into verses 15 through 17 on Friday. We're going to talk more about polygamy a little bit and talk about the rights of the firstborn son. So that's going to be an interesting episode. So I hope you tune in on Friday. But friends and faithful listeners, if you enjoyed this episode and if you thought that it had interesting content, then go over to my YouTube page and subscribe to that also, because not only is the podcast uh, getting uploaded onto YouTube now, but I am in the process of uploading a video talking about worship music. But I also talk about all sorts of other things too, apologetics and different questions that are just fun for me to talk about and to discuss. So that stuff is over on the YouTube page, but also share this podcast with somebody that you know if you enjoyed it. Share it on your social media platforms and tell the people that the Bible Explained podcast exists. Faithful listeners, I am so thankful that you were here today and I hope that you have a lovely rest of your day. I will see you tomorrow for an episode out of John. 
Happy listening and God bless.